I'm Boris Prendergrass, and I'm excited that you're joining our podcast today. And I have a very special guest that I'm excited about, Craig Major. Craig Major is an IT professional. He's owned his own company. He's been a director for leading companies like Siebel, Oracle, and SAP. And I must confess, full disclosure, he was actually my director. Craig, welcome to the podcast today. Well, Boris, thanks for having me. I'm really honored. I appreciate it. So we're going to be talking today about leadership and performance and about preparing yourself and embracing change, managing your career, and you know, being performed at a high level. So where I would like to start our conversation, Craig, is that you were instrumental in me getting one of my promotions to a manager position. And you know, one of the key things where you were actually my director at my time. So there was a, a uh, direct report between me and you. Mm-hmm. And I remember you encouraging and really saying, hey, make sure Boris is prepared. Told my manager that me and you went through some preparation. And I know in that preparation time, you were like, hey, Boris, you're going back for the second interview. You need to have kind of your 30, 60, 90 day plan. How are you going to come on board and lead the organization? So, you know, I I had a fantastic interview. I ended up getting the promotion. But in that interview, I interviewed with one of your directors, your counterparts. And Mm -hmm. I remember you sharing me, sharing with me that the director said to you after my interview, wow, did you prepare Boris for the interview? And I remember the comment you said was, yes, of course. Didn't you prepare your guy? And uh, I want to take it from there. I was just impressed and and of course full of gratitude that you say hey i'm preparing bars but you know what i want to get into that's a different approach to leadership so let's let's take it there you know why did you do that you know what was your approach your approach to leadership at that time and now well you know bars this is this is one of those you write the book you make the movie you know it's uh you know, you've got that great voice. You could play me. That would be great. <laughs> but it, it's something you learn over time. You know, one of the things we, we've talked about before is, you know, I, I came to the manager role pretty much the way everybody does. You know, I was a really good individual contributor. And they said, you know, this guy's really good at this. Let's put him in a job that he's not so good at and make him a manager. And, uh, and, and like a lot of people, I foundered a little bit in the beginning and I had to find a way of being not the player, but being the manager. And, 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 and I have always differentiated um, administrative management and leadership. And, 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 I, and I appreciate you pointing out, you know, one of the instances where, you know, where that leadership comes in and, and that's you want to see your people grow. When when you're in a when you're in a very large organization like like Siebel, like Oracle, like SAP, a little too often, you know, your your own growth becomes the paramount. Sure. When in in my estimation, growing the people that I have, I felt was best for me. Sure. And 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 I know that that's not a common thought. Uh, it goes back to something very interesting I read um, from uh, a master of, of marketing called David Ogilvy from Ogilvy and Mather. Oh, yes. Famous, famous New York. Very famous organization. Famous. And, 
and it, I'm reading the stuff he writes, and and you know a lot of it is businesses, business that. But one thing that really struck me was if we are constantly hiring people smaller than ourselves, sure. we become an organization of midgets. Mm. But if we can hire people larger than ourselves, we will become a company of giants because there, you know, obviously there are so many more workers than there are managers. So if, if I get concerned about hiring and supporting and promoting somebody who's got skills equal to or better than mine, well, now I'm going to have an organization of small people. But that's never what I sought. I sought to have the organization of giants. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, lo and behold, where I'm, I'm, uh, I've been mostly retired now for seven years. And, you know, I, I think 10 or 12 of the people that once worked for me are now vice presidents across the, uh, the IT industry. And, and you know, and I really enjoy that. And I, have, I take a lot of pride in that. So... Uh, so I think what I'm hearing there, and, and, and I'm, a, I'm an athlete, right? The athletic background. Sure. You want people that are good, that are better than you. You want people that will grow you and your organization. And you're committed to do what it takes to grow them, to, 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 to get them to learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and sometimes it's having tougher conversations. Um, you know, I, I recall having a conversation with a, a young guy and I said, you know, you got to you have to communicate better. Sure. And and, uh, and I'd like you to um, I'd like you to take a business writing class. And and and, and you know, and that's that's a guy who's gone on to do some really great things, you know, and but that was a tough conversation. It's tough to sit in front of another adult and tell him, look, you know, you don't write well enough. You don't communicate well enough, but um, it, and it, it, the next, this is pretty interesting. It's a line I actually learned from John Rinky, um, you know, one of my managers, my vice president at Siebel and then at Oracle. My vice president also going up. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And and so Jr. You know, Jr. Was you know one of the one of the quintessential leaders. And he used to say, you have to tell people what they need to hear sure. and you can't worry about what they want to hear. Yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes it, it comes off as a little brusque. Um, but hopefully it always came from a place of, you know, I care about you being successful and, and I care about getting the job done and, and, you know, and, you know, I care about excellence and we were, we, you still are in a sales organization. I care about the scoreboard. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. put those numbers on the board. Let's, you know, let's remove all doubt here. So, now, you know, something you said, you, you brought up John Ranky, right? Your VP. Um, this culture, this atmosphere, this team environment that you guys created, right? Is, mm-hmm. I think that was so impressive. Again, you were two levels above me. My manager was prepping me, and then I'm interacting with you in preparation. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Whether there's anything in the past that impacted that, and then just the the, the thought process of we're going to create this type of environment and culture. Very interestingly, as I said before, you know, I got to be a manager by being, you know, maybe the best player on the team. When I got to to Siebel Software. 
I was not the best player on the team. Oh. I was I was on there were so many outstanding people in this organization. And when I ended up uh, uh, in the ESG group, the e-business solutions group, uh, or because most of us were really large men, uh, the joke extra sauce and gravy, uh, <laughs> no words. We're, we're, you know, we, we, we well. did we, eat well. We did eat well. Team yes, we did. And that is, that is absolutely a fact. So, but when I was in this group, I, not only was I not the best player, I I worked my butt off just to feel like I belong there because they were, you know, the Charles McGinnises of the world, the oh. Philip Haces of the world, the yeah. Yogesh Sharma, John Reiki, Andy Mitchell. These guys, they're stunningly smart. Eileen Smith, stunningly smart people. Yes. And and I worked hard every day just to feel like I belong there. And, and I think that's the culture that John created. And I just, it just so fit my soul. Uh, it, it remains today the, the best working time of my life. So, you know, our, our topic, right, of the podcast is embracing change and, you know, preparing on that path to success. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, was just so impactful is here I am on a team with a director who says, hey, I want to make sure you're prepared for success. And, and that wasn't happening on, on other teams. Uh, one of the things I, I, we talked about in prepping for this is I wasn't always on your team. I joined Siebel and I was on another team. And I remember in a, in a you know, 12 to 18 month time frame, we went through two layoffs, reductions in force. Now I was safe. I was a top performer, uh, you know, just committed to doing whatever it takes to succeed. And I did not get uh, laid off. But I realized your team, that ESG team, did not lose anybody. And I said, wow, that's impressive. I need to get on that team. And I guess I like to segue into a conversation that as we're embracing change, as we're preparing our, for our own success, looking and being in an environment that's that's conducive, that's supportive and encouraging. Uh, you shared a story before where you were in an environment where, or working for a manager where he allowed you to learn and wanted you to learn and grow. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, that, that was, you know, probably my first great manager. And his, his name was Ed and just a, a fantastic guy. And he wanted you to learn and he wanted you his idea was I give you this fundamental training and then I want your initiative and your creativity and your skills to take this job and make it into whatever your skills allow it to be. I, I, I don't need it. You know, I don't need to come to work every day with, I am the boss tattooed on my forehead. You know, I'm here to lead and, and, you know, I can lead from in front or I, you can get so good at this that I lead from behind. But he wanted you to learn. And a counterbalance was, you know, he had a peer who felt completely differently. And uh, and certainly, you know, the peer and I did not, you know, we didn't get along because, you know, I really embraced the idea of learning a lot and getting ahead and, and being this. And he embraced the idea that he was above me and that was the way it was going to stay. And, you know, over the course of time, you know, it, you know, I grew a great deal. And, you know, I honestly, I have no idea where his career went because I, I you know, I, 
I don't have anything to do with him. I mean, I don't hate him or anything. It's just right. he wasn't uh, he was not interested in my success. And that was the first, you know, small stone in the foundation that, you know, all those years later said, you know, the conversation with me and Rick, you know, your manager, Rick, and a marvelous guy, and said, you know, here's what we think they're looking for. Here's what the culture of, of Oracle looks like. And this is what the next generation of managers, uh, this is where they're going to come from and what they have to offer. And just made sure, and, and you know, a, a coach's job is to make sure your best habits are at the forefront of your thinking. You know, I, I you know, obviously, you know, you, you ran the race, you were swift afoot. I could not run the race for you, but I could, re, I could remind you, you know, to keep your weight over your knees. I could remind you not to pop up upright, but, you know, to drive. You know, I could remind you of those things and, and, and just make sure that when you're ready, you've got your best habits at the front of your thinking. Sure. And, you know, just before we started, you know, you, you had a great reminiscence about uh, going through your strategy and what your 30 day plan was going to be and what your 60 day plan was going to be and what your 90 day plan was going to be. You know, should you be put in charge of one of these teams? And, and, you know, I, Obviously, well, first you got the job. I don't know if we said that part. Yes, you, you did get the job, but beyond getting the job, the people who interviewed you were blown away. And, and then, I got the job. My team, we actually hit our number. Okay. Uh, you know, a bunch of us all went to Performance Club, and 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 I one or two of my people actually I think got promoted or uh, lateraled into a, a desirable position. And then you know that kind of gets back to. Uh, what you said, and, and, and something I believe is, you know, we as leaders have a responsibility to the people on our team, right? We are accountable to them just as they're accountable to us, and, and we're all accountable to our organization. So, you know, not only are, you know, they're working on their goals to, to you know, to deliver for the company, but we want to understand, hey, what are your goals? How can I help you? Uh, and, and that may mean, hey, you're going to get promoted above me. That may mean, you're going to grow your skills and leave somewhere else. But while we're working together, we'll be successful. We'll accomplish our goal. We'll make a lot of money. And then we'll be able to say, hey, we've helped each other so that whenever we part, there's still a, a relationship there where we can communicate uh, with each other. And, uh, and, you know, in our business, you maybe even leverage that in the future work environment. So uh, just a little bit of that responsibility. I remember you sharing something about uh, the people you've laid off and, and remember their names and and sure. that accountability for people's income and providing for their household. Share a little bit about that thought process. Sure. Uh, you know, it's one of the things that we talked about was as a leader, I felt responsible for the livelihoods of the people who worked for me. And and that's that's a burden. And and, you know, I, I, I hope to think I shouldered it well, but it was a burden, uh, you know, having to let go of somebody for cause um, never really bothered me. You know, it's like. And by cause, you mean they're not performing. Uh, right. They're not doing the work. They don't have the ability. Is that what you mean by cause? For cause means 
you know, you've seen it a thousand times. People fire themselves. Yes. You know, exactly. I'm just the guy who calls them to tell them you succeeded. You know, you've been trying hard to get yourself fired and congratulations, you won. You know, you won the exit to the door. And um, and that I feel like when you let go of somebody who deserves it, you are telling the rest of the organization you love them. I love you because I will not tolerate this non-performer in your midst. And, and you won't be responsible for doing his job. I won't be responsible for doing correct. his job. We're not going to let that one person drag down the performance of the whole team. Correct. I, I have such a great story about that many, many years ago, maybe back in the 80s. I was a, a manager of a tech team in a small company. And I was on vacation with my wife and I was reading a book called How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. And I was in that I was in that young manager phase of reading all the business books, you know, and and so I'm, I'm reading this and I turn a page and the, the if you ever see the book, it's very catchy. But but the chapter headings are are almost paragraphs. And this one says, it's not the people you fire who make your life miserable. It's the people you don't. Mm. And, and the next line was, when I say that at a seminar, this is the author talking now. When I say that at a seminar, I get more amens than a Billy Graham revival. <laughs> and, and in that instance, I put the bookmark in the book and I closed the book and dove in the pool and in that instant, that young man lost his job. Yeah. And it just, I, he just had to wait until I flew home to New Jersey to tell him. And I, first day I walked in and I called him in and I said, you know, you are about to begin your journey somewhere else. Uh, you know, we'll have your check ready in a couple of minutes and you're out of here. And, you know, his, well, you know, and he was really very good at the job. You know, he just felt entitled to be late and entitled to be sloppy and entitled to be occasionally unkind to his fellow worker. And, and there, you know, there's no level of skill that's going to say you get to be mean to everybody else. And, um, and, and that's so, back yeah. to because I'm creating this culture, this environment, yeah. this team yeah. environment where we're working together, supporting and encouraging each other. Absolutely. And if that is the environment, then, hey, we, we can't have that. Absolutely. But, but I'm, I'm also that. I'm sorry. Nine months after that, he called to take me out to lunch to thank me. Mm. And he said, you know, I've always been really good at what, what I do. And people put up with a lot of nonsense from me. And, you know, I really think I grew up the day you let me go. And so, you know, it's but I, I remember everybody that I had to let go. And, and if we got to lay them off because we're doing a bad job running the company, right. that kills me. Right. I remember all of them. That is so good. That is so good. Well, and, and just a, a segue back to what you were saying. I know I've had to let people go yeah. for not performing. And even in that, we assess where they are. We're monitoring that. We're pointing out the flaws, the area where they need to grow. We're providing help. We're providing instruction. This is the how to. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do or don't do all of that, you know, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to equip them sure. and, you know, just not a fit or they're not willing to do what's necessary. Sure. And, 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 you know, when you got to let somebody go, you, 
you have to admit you're part of the failure. Now, you know, we started this by me saying, you know, probably a little Weisenheimer-ish a little, but, you know, people fire themselves because basically they do. But we did hire them. Yeah. We had the chance to enculturate them. Sure. We had a chance to bring our culture to them and see this is how we want our team to go. These are... And, and, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but I have a standard speech that I give to everybody. And it's, you know, here's my job. And, you know, number one, it is my job to make sure that you understand your mission. What are we trying to do here? What is your part in that? And what do I expect from you? That's my job to make sure that that's clear for you. The second thing is my job is to make sure you have the tools you need to do your job. You know, you need a phone, you get a phone. You need a laptop, you get a laptop. You need some training, you get some training. You know, so what do you need to execute the mission? And third, while you are pursuing the mission, you have my unconditional support. Now, now there are organizations, I don't care to name any, uh, Oracle, where, you know, sometimes, you know, throwing another guy under the bus was was a normal part of the business. And and, and I, would not, I will not tolerate that. If you're working on my team and you're going after the mission and something goes wrong, well, you know, I got your back, Jack. You know, and that's, that's just those. So those are the three things that I would tell every new person who came to work for me in the last 25 years. So, you know, as, as we're coming to the end of this, just from a wrap-up, um, you know, again, we started this because the leadership, the culture, the environment that you set for our team, the support for our individual education and growth. I think what I would, I would say and like to hear your feedback is I had, we both have children who are adults, who are professionals in the work environment. And as they're on their path to success in their career growth, I think these are some of the things they should look for when they're saying, hey, is this a culture where I can grow? Is this a team where I can grow? Is this, you know, leadership that is going to grow me? I guess what would yeah, your it's a, it's a great up? conversation to have. Yeah, it's a great conversation to have. You know, one of the roles that I have is I uh, I'm the uh, chapter advisor for my college fraternity, and and you know, in the beginning of every school year, I go and I tell them, here's what's important to me. Number one is I want you to be good men. Be good men when you're when you're out when you're out wearing your letters out there on campus. I want people to see a good man, and and to think well of our organization. I want you to be a good steward to our brotherhood. You know, it's it's you know my time was nearly fifty years ago, and you know their time is today, and I I, I respect that it's their time, but it's also my brotherhood. So be a good steward. And for the good people who come after you and you're in college for a reason, do your work, get your grades and, you know, get ready for that life thereafter and, and, you know, take care of business. So that's, you know, that's the important thing. Um, you know, we talked uh, several times about change and, and one of the, the, the true facts of life is the only true constant in life is change. Yes. It, 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 it's inevitable. The, there's a great line. I, I don't know if you remember, but when we had that that big organizational shift at Siebel, 
where we were going to start taking a really hard look at the resources we were expending on sales. We weren't gonna, gonna try to cut back on the number of demos and the number of people in the field. You know, the old Siebel bus joke. You know, it's, it's yeah. we'd like to have a meeting where there are more customers than Siebel people. And it was gonna be a pretty dramatic change. And in introducing that change at a training session, I used a, uh, a quote from, uh, uh, from Machiavelli, from The Prince by Machiavelli, that nothing is more fraught with peril than change because it brings with it the enmity of everybody who benefited from the old while only gaining the lukewarm support of those who may benefit from the new. And it was, it was true in, you know, 1500s when he wrote it. And it's true today, you know, when you're trying to change, when you're trying to be a dynamic agent of change, it's going to, you're going to have to overcome a lot of resistance. And then if you have the right leadership and you create that culture and you create that trust, people are going to say, okay, you know, even if I'm not sure, you know, this is a group that if I have to make that change, I want to go with them. Well, hey. I thank you for this. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, I know this is going to be impactful to our podcast guests. Thank you for joining podcast guests. And Craig, thank you for being an awesome leader. And thank you for sharing that leadership thought process with us today. Well, thank you, Boris. I was honored to be asked. Have a great day, everybody.